Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm organizing pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. Well, sociologist Christian Smith did a bunch of research on American spirituality many years ago, and he revealed something pretty important. What he noted was that many Americans wanted a God that's not overly involved in one's life, but who would always be there when needed to solve a problem. So let's say that I have a friend that I never call, that I never email or text or like their social media posts, but every so often I need this friend to help me solve a problem that I'm facing Um, And I only contact this friend when I need something from them. What would you all say is the quality of that relationship? Would that person really even consider me to be a friend? Well, we're going to see today that Jesus is concerned with our daily connection to God. This is the finish of our little four-part mini-series on the Lord's Prayer, what might more appropriately be called the Disciples' Prayer. Is it, it's only after moving, we talked about this in the first week, it's only after moving through the qualities of our relationship with our divine parent, whom Jesus at the beginning of the prayer calls the Father. And it's then after a proper understanding of how our prayers should align with the kingdom that is present but not yet to come. It's only after those two things that we offer our requests. Now, when I used to teach the Bible to kids all the time, we used to talk about prayer without relationship as treating God like a cosmic vending machine. We put in our prayers and outcomes the answer to prayer. Now, don't get me wrong, I excel with the best of them at lobbing up my requests to God when I want God to act on my behalf or on someone else's behalf. We're all in this one together. I'm sure you can relate to and understand where that's coming from, right? And so we get to this fourth petition in the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to be invited to turn to God with the urgent and important matters of our lives. But notice how this is the final part of Jesus's instruction on prayer. Relationship is the beginning, the middle, and the end of this prayer. The love of God and the desire to be involved in even the details of our lives will shine through in this section of the Lord's Prayer. And it's out of this loving relationship that God desires to have with us, that Jesus will invite us to name our requests. Jesus teaches us to pray in this way so that we as his disciples might learn to trust in the loving mercies of God that according to the scriptures never cease and are new every single morning. So let's listen in on the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray one more time. And as we listen, we consider the connection between relationship and request. The connection between relationship and request as we wait for the Spirit to speak. Will you join me in prayer? 
Lord, we ask that you would meet us here in word and spirit and at the table as you promised as we listen for your voice. Invite us once again to turn to you, our loving, divine parent, and trust you more because of our time in the word together. Amen. Here we go from Luke 11, 1 to 4. Jesus was praying in a certain place. And after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. Friends, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So Jesus first establishes God's character and authority, and only then does he move on to the matter of requests. Jesus starts with the most basic of all of our human needs, food, which of course, as all of you know who know me, this makes me really happy. I am a bit of a foodie. So I like my daily bread. I admit that. Perhaps I like it a little too much and the COVID-19 that I have put on since the beginning of the pandemic is proof that I thoroughly enjoy eating. But notice what Jesus does. He tempers our requests for the necessities of life with a word. And that word is daily. Give us each day our daily bread. Why does Jesus do this? This might be the key to this whole section. And so we might remember back to the Exodus, which we've talked about before, after being delivered from slavery. The ancient Israelites were these wilderness wanderers who had no means of feeding themselves. They're totally at the mercy of God to provide for their basic daily needs. And were it not for God's daily bread, manna, they would have starved to death in the desert where food is scarce. And so God is attempting to communicate a word of great importance to them. And Jesus is trying to do the very same thing for us with this word each day or daily. And so Jesus's hope is this, that we won't worry or hoard. Listen to the connection with these things. In Luke 12, Jesus asks us to consider the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. He says, do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink and do not keep worrying. Your father knows that you need them. So on the one hand, we have Jesus encouraging us to trust God for the things that we need, to not worry about our daily needs, which only adds more stress to our possibly already overstressed out lives. But on the other hand, Jesus wants us to not ask for more than what we need each day, because when we succumb to greed and to hoarding stuff, then other people will not have enough. They may not get the daily bread 
that they need. And so we have these two ideas here. In one of my favorite books, which I've referenced many times before, Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger, an unbelievable book if you have not read it. Author Ronald Sider says this. He says that people with money can always buy food. So famine affects only the poor. He writes this. Hundreds of biblical texts tell us, and this is where I was going and connecting what we're talking about to Shay's message. He says that hundreds of biblical texts tell us that God still measures our societies by what we do to the poorest and most vulnerable people among us. And so Jesus is making this connection with the thought of the Exodus and God providing daily for people and not hoarding. You might remember that the command was not to take more than you can eat on that day. And what happened to that bread when people tried to hoard it? It molded and became unedible. And then on the other side, Jesus is saying, don't worry. Don't stress out about these things. God knows what we need. And you might be asking yourself, because I asked myself this question, did Jesus really have all this stuff in mind when he taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread? And I truly believe that the answer is yes. Jesus had these things in mind. Now, the pandemic, of course, has brought out the best and the worst in us. During this pandemic, I have seen the connection between fretting or worrying and hoarding play out in the real. If we don't trust that God will provide for our basic needs, we may decide to take matters into our own hands. I remember just before stores began putting limits on how much of these high priority items that we could buy in one visit. Katie and I walked past a 15 passenger van that was stuffed to the brim. And I'm not exaggerating, with hundreds and hundreds of rolls of toilet paper, hundreds of rolls of paper towels, and more cases of water than I could possibly count. I couldn't even see it all. This thing was so stuffed with these items. It caused me to reflect. I wanted to take a picture of it, but then I didn't want to get caught. So I ended up not doing it. Now, I don't know if that person has 50 kids or not, but I'll bet that they don't. And because that person worried, because that person succumbed to the myth of scarcity that there would not be enough for them, other people's kids didn't get the things that they needed. So Jesus says, don't fret and don't hoard, but ask God to provide the things that you need for this particular day. And in so doing, there will be enough to go around for others. So first, Jesus invites us to ask God for the things that we need today. And then the second thing he moves into is the encouragement for us to ask for God's forgiveness and then invites us into the healing power of forgiveness by asking us to consider forgiving those who have hurt us. 
So sin is described by Jesus as a debt that needs to be forgiven. Judaism, of course, shares this view of sin with Christianity. So when someone sins against another person, Jesus might say they incur a debt. Jesus wants us to recognize that we should not ask God for something that we're unwilling to offer others. Forgiveness isn't a right. It's always the overflow of God's grace. Forgiveness shows that we, as his disciples, understand that we live in a fallen world, that we often contribute to the problem ourselves, that we too have incurred a debt by sinning against both God and neighbor. And so this toxic political climate that we find ourselves in has served to highlight the need for this kind of humility that Jesus encourages in our prayer life. There's no us and them because us and them always points a finger of blame away from ourselves, always pointing to the other. But that's not what the disciples' prayer does. Pointing fingers of blame outward is far too easy. Anybody can do it. But what we see in this prayer is that what is really needed, like Jesus, you know, he knows that this authentic, humble prayer, this look inward, he knows that it's going to be much, much more difficult to do this type of work. And so we might easily get caught up in this cycle. Maybe Shay in her conversation with her friends, maybe this group of people were doing it. We all do it. We do this all the time. We might say things like, hey, those people, those people are wrong. Those people need to think or believe or act just like me. Those people, they're the ones that need forgiveness. But the mature disciple knows better than this. They always take a look in the mirror, first checking their own attitudes and behaviors before looking in, like Jesus said it, before looking in the speck in their neighbor's eye. The mature disciple um, asks God to forgive them first, knowing that they desperately need this each day. The daily part continues for forgiveness, just like it did for food. And then after receiving God's forgiveness, modeling this forgiveness by forgiving those who have incurred a debt with us. This is where some real healing can begin. So when we learn to forgive others, we free ourselves up to further experience the love of God, the forgiveness of God more fully for ourselves, which in turn increases our capacity to love even more. And who among us doesn't want to increase the capacity of our own love and forgiveness. Now the final petition that Jesus tells us to pray for daily again is the request for spiritual protection or help in the face of life's difficult trials, challenges, tests. Nothing paralyzes and destroys the soul like temptation. For those of us that were here last week um, I got to listen to Chad's message online. He did a really wonderful job of sharing. This is really, it had to be really difficult for him. 
He did a wonderful job about sharing about his really real and ongoing struggle with alcohol. He, he talked freely and openly about that with us. We all have things in our lives that tempt us to move away from the good that God has for each of us. We all struggle with this. Even before his public ministry began, we know that Jesus himself was tempted to misuse his power for selfish gain. But with the help of the Spirit, Jesus prevailed. And we all have these times of trial, times of testing. And so, daily, we are to ask God to meet our basic needs, even the most mundane and ordinary things like food. We're to ask for God's forgiveness for the ways in which we get Jesus's way wrong. And finally, we're to ask for the help that we need each day to face the temptation and the trials that we all know are coming. Now, the good news is this. It's really simple. The same spirit who protected and sustained the Israelites in the wilderness, the same spirit who protected and sustained Jesus when tempted in the desert is available to do the same thing for us in our own wilderness places. The Lord's Prayer is really the community's prayer. We pray it every Sunday, but sometimes we just say the words, but we're not always thinking, what did these words actually mean. For Lightshine Church, this prayer envisions us walking daily with God, looking to God for everything from food to forgiveness. Amen.